would remain standing. We'll read from our text in Psalm 18. Psalm 18, chapter, we'll begin reading this morning in verse number 20. Psalm 18, verse number 20. about verse number 19 and thinking about Stephen again. I mean, the Lord stands. He's standing there at the right hand of the throne on high. And that must have been, you think it might have been a little comfort to Stephen seeing that as rocks were being hurled at his head. Um, you know, verse 19 says, He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. That was a spacious place for Stephen to be at that at that point. Um, I mean, could could he have had to face that just by faith and not by sight? You know, he could have. But but there was there was there was sight, you know, for him as he was passing from this life into that life which is to come, uh, and even his face as he's beholding. I mean, I get an image there of Moses. He was there on top of Mount Sinai, and his face came down, and it, and it shone. Mm -hmm. Well, Stephen's face, what was it like? Mm -hmm. Like that of an angel, yeah. you know, they said. And still they threw stones. Talk about not having understanding, right, yeah. Brother JT? Well, verse number 20, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. I was also upright before him, and I kept myself from iniquity. Therefore the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands and his eyesight. With the merciful... Thou wilt show thyself merciful. Mm -hmm. With an upright man, thou wilt show thyself upright. With the pure, thou wilt show thyself pure. And with the forward, thou wilt show thyself forward. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt bring down high looks. Mm -hmm. And that's what we'll, the Lord willing, focus upon this morning. Well, let's go once again to the Lord in prayer. <coughs> Dad, would you pray for us? Father, they're not here today, those that, that would be if they could, and pray 
Amen. You may be seated. Well, <clears throat> like I was saying before, I hope that you were able to gain a glimpse, you know, into the apple of God's eye last week as we saw the Lord rise and come to David's defense to see him moved to such an extent as, as David described. You remember the earth trembled? We saw that. We saw the smoke ascend, the heavens bowed down, darkness under his feet. He flew upon a cherub and thick clouds of the skies, thunder, hail, lightning surrounded him. He rebuked the waters so that the foundations were discovered beneath him. And he drew David out and delivered him. Isn't that uh, remarkable? And, and, and David using that imagery, and like you said, we can't really pinpoint individual instances in David's life where we saw those particular things happen. But David knew what the Lord had done for God's people. I mean, a lot of those things just in, in Israel being delivered from Egypt, you know, we said we're seeing. But here we are, you know, in similar state, in similar need to call upon the Lord for deliverance. And I was thinking about a passage out of Brother JT's favorite book, out of Isaiah 64, verse 1, it says this, in thinking about what David describes and thinking about God coming to our aid and God coming to our defense and God delivering us, listen to what he says in Isaiah 64, 1. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens. That pretty much describes what David describes here in Psalm 18. That thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down in thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. I think Pharaoh got a taste of that. Egypt got a taste of that, didn't it? Um, I mean, every reason we have to say, if God be for us, who can be against us? Every reason we have to hope every reason we have to call upon the name of our God, every reason we have to hope that God will hear us and that God will answer our prayer and that he will deliver us, every reason we have to believe that for what God has shown us, given unto us in his word. But here's David's profession. And I know it can kind of strike us a little bit sideways when we read it and we, we see what David says in verse number 20, just at the very get-go. He says, The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. And we're like, well, wait a second. What are we talking about here? How's, how's David talking about his righteousness? Is, is he talking about like the Pharisees who went about to establish their own righteousness? You know? Is he trying to keep the law that he might establish some righteousness in God's sight? He might earn some favor in God's sight in that way and build up a bank account where God's going to owe him something in the end. No. That's not what David's saying here. I, I think we've already described this in, in, in previous messages just in using Saul as an illustration. In the matter of Saul, David's hands were clean. In the matter of Saul, David had followed the commandments of the Lord. David's heart was even smitten that he cut off the corner of Saul's garment. He didn't do any harm to Saul himself. 
but you know, I don't know, I don't know how expensive that garment was, you know. And if I could look at my, you know, I'm like, what? I don't know. Um, if you had some, well, let's just use your shoes. Not maybe not those. I've seen you wear some though. That that uh, that if somebody were to cut a notch out of, or even rip the emblem off the side, the logo off the side, you wouldn't be too happy with that. I don't know what that looked like for Saul. But it smote David's heart that he had done it. Uh, even to that degree, even though it, his men were saying, put him to death. Kill him. Here's your chance. God has opened a, a door of opportunity. All you've got to do is walk through it. Be careful. Be careful. And here was in well, JT's matches this morning. Here's this fruit. You're not going to die. You know, it, it, you'll, you'll become like gods. Um, so be careful, people, Amen. saying Amen. this and that. Um, better follow what the Lord says. Better, better do what, what the Lord commands of you. Better do what the Lord's called you unto, because that's what David has done here, and that's what David is describing. He's not preaching of works righteousness, but it's simply his obedience. Yeah. I, I, I know I pick on you, Danny. It's okay. It's okay with me. <laughs> He's, I saw him this morning and he got a haircut. I'm like, oh, you got a haircut. And he was like, I have to. And I said, you have to. He said, you have the principle. And I'm like, well, when I was in school, as long as it didn't touch your collar, you know, you was all right. And he said, well, now if it goes over your eyes, you know, or over your ears, you know, it's probably not that way in, in most schools, but I, I know the school you go to is a, a little more particular, and it's a little better school than some of those schools, you know, around. And believe me, I, I've talked to parents. Um, so if you think it's not so good there, think what it could, think how it could be other places, you know. Uh, but I told him, I said, that haircut looks good on you. And then Cohen heard why I said that. I said, because it carries the look of obedience. Yeah. Because the principal said, cut your hair, young man. Mm-hmm. And what did, what happened? Cut it. Cut it. Yeah. Did he want it like that? Or would he rather have kept it the way it was? Well, obviously, you know, he liked his hairstyle the way it was. And he would rather not have done that. He might need a smaller helmet now. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> but David said, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question. When, when the Lord has impressed upon you to do something before, how did you feel when you didn't do it? Terrible. Mm-hmm. Much better to obey the, the leading of the Spirit. You know, and do that thing the Lord's called you unto. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's something to rejoice in, you know, there. Uh, whereas the other, uh, there's, I've told you before, there's no more miserable creature upon the face of the earth than the Christian who is outside the will of God. No more miserable creature than that. So, <clears throat> like I said, David's not preaching, <clears throat> excuse me, of works righteousness. We know that Galatians 2.16 says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ 
that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So that's not what David was saying. Um, but we talked about faith this morning already. What a gift faith is. I mean, without faith, you're not going to have any understanding. Uh, you, you're you're, you're going to be, you, you've heard the saying before about being lost as a goose in a hailstorm. You know? I mean, you're, you're going to be without understanding. Um, so you could read a passage like this and come away with a thought and say, so it is my righteousness. So it is my works. It is by what I do. No, it's not. But we, we understand what Scripture says in other places. Um, somebody could read you know, James chapter 2 and come away with a totally different uh, understanding of things. But, but James says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. I could go on and read further, but you're, you're familiar with the passage. Faith is not alone, is it? We're not justified by works, but justified by faith in Christ. But faith is not alone, is it? There are those good deeds, Scripture says, that the Lord has ordained beforehand. I mean, every one of us here, there are good deeds the Lord has set before you. They're not deeds that I'm going to do on Donnie's behalf, because those are deeds Donnie's going to have to do. But the deeds the Lord set before me, the deeds the Lord set before him. There are circumstances, situations. Um, you know, I... The Lord, I'm sure, I guess must have impressed upon you, brother, to write what you wrote in the hotel room upon the, the complimentary copy uh, of uh, the Book of Mormon. Y'all see that this week, Brother Donnie sent that out? Uh, well, you know, there's, there's works. It's not just faith. Faith is not alone. Um, but we're not justified by our works, but the justified will be evidenced if you are justified. If you are one of the justified ones, it will be evident. Brother JT said this this morning. He said, you don't even have to say anything about it. People will know. People will know there's something different about you. People will know. And eventually, if they keep asking you, Danny, to go out and drink with, you, with them and party with them, and you say, no, I don't do that. No, that wouldn't honor the Lord. Eventually, they'll stop asking Put it another way to except work that you might enter into. Yes. Work. <laughs> that you might enter in. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and it's, that's that's not something that's against our grain, is it? No, it, it's 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 exact it flows with the current of our life. That's we desire to do. Let your good works be seen. You know? Let men see those good works that they may glorify your father which is in heaven. Um, so we want those things to be seen. We want those things to be evident. Yes, we're going to stand out. Yes, we're going to be ridiculed. Yes, we're going to be persecuted. But whose favor would you rather have? Right? 
Would you rather have the Lord's favor? Would you rather have the Lord's reward? Or would you rather have the praise of men? You know, which would you rather have? You remember the two young men that the father sent out into the field to work? And one of them said, I go. And the other one said, I'm not going to go. The one that said he would go didn't go. The one who said he wouldn't go, his, his heart smote him. And he couldn't, he couldn't not go. My father asked me to do something. I know I don't want to go, but you know, my, my father, you know, has commanded this of me. I, I I can't I can't be happy unless I go. I can't have joy in my heart unless I go. And you know when he got there? His brother wasn't there. The brother said he would go. The one who looked good on the outside. You know, the Pharisees looked good on the outside, didn't they? But they were full of dead men's bones. Um, they looked down upon the disciples. They're a bunch of fishermen. They're uneducated. Um, but they took note of something, didn't they? That they've been with Jesus. Well, we've already heard a little bit about this this morning. It's already been touched on somewhat. But 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Who maketh thee to differ from another? You know, if we're going to think about, I've been rewarded because of my righteousness. Well, that's not David's thought. But if we were to go down that road and think about some of these things, what have you that you have not received? And if you didn't receive it, why do you glory as though you did? You know, um, or I did not receive it, brother. But we have received. We have been given this faith. You know, it's not our righteousness. Uh, you know, any glory. And and, and some, I put it in this perspective for people before, and they and they okay, I, I can kind of understand that a little bit. <clears throat> that think in terms of the ways that we're saying this is not what David's saying. You know, if they want to try to boast in themselves somewhat, I'm like, look, when you get to heaven, all the glory is going to be Christ. Who saved you? You know, in, in, in that salvation, where'd that faith come from? You know, you start, you start taking them through, through some of these things. They think they've earned some of these things. Or they, they've developed some of these things. And it's not so. When we get to heaven, all the glory, all the honor, will be Christ. We will not be able to say that we we picked ourselves up, dusted ourselves off, and, and, and made it, you know, by our own bootstraps, you know, we 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 uh, we by our own strength, you know, we, we did it ourselves. You know, we, we made it. No. Not not any uh, at all. We know it's all by the grace of God. By grace. Right? You're saved. Through faith. And that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest what? Any man should boast. No boasting. Paul said, if I'm going to boast, it's going to be in Christ. If I'm going to make my boast, it's going to be in Him. So, it's Christ in us that is the hope of our glory, not anything of ourselves. There's that passage over in Zechariah 4, 6 where it says, not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, saith the Lord. What can we not attribute to God in our salvation? Um, what can we not attribute? Yeah, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, we read about in Scripture. What can we not attribute unto Him? We possess a righteousness that is not our own, right? His robes for ours. He who knew no sin took our sin upon Himself that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in Him. So what, what is righteousness? Doing what's right. Right? Doing what's right in, in whose sight? Well, not the eyes of men because they certainly wouldn't consider some of the things that we do to be right. But what's right in the sight of God. What's right in His sight. What's right in thought, word, and deed. What's declared right by Him. Now, how could we ever have done that? And I couldn't have asked for a better message to be preached before, you know, some of these things than what Brother JT, what the Lord gave him this morning. Amen. You know, I mean, what we're a new creature in Christ. That's right. Otherwise, these things, would, we'd have no understanding. We'd have no understanding of these things. But being a new creature in Christ, listen to what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22. That's one of twos, right? 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee also youthful lusts. You can flee. You don't have to... to uh, the sin doesn't have dominion. Right. Let me put it in those terms. Scriptural terms over you. You're able to flee lust. And not only that, but follow righteousness. Yeah. This is what David's describing. He said, the Lord's statutes were before my eyes I, I didn't cast them away I, I, I abode in them I did, I did the thing that God called me to do to do it by his own strength no no. if it weren't for God in him then he wouldn't have even had the thought to do what was right in God's sight but not only that but God strengthened him to do what was right in his sight think again if we're going to put a face on this thing think again about the matter of Saul and David I mean, in this very psalm, David specifically lined items out and even from all the enemies, even from the hand of Saul, right? So follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call upon the Lord. I was listening to a message by G.F. Thomas uh, this week and he said, Upon these things, he was saying, that is what a Christian is. He said, a man or a woman who says yes to God. Here's what God says. And that man or woman says, yes, that's what I want to do, Lord. Yes, that's, that's me. That's, that's what you've done in me. That's, that's what I want to follow after. It says yes to God in obedience. <clears throat> this is what David's doing in this matter with Saul. He's saying yes to God in obedience in, in, in his in his dealings with Saul, in his treatment of Saul. I mean, go so far as even in his thoughts of Saul. How do you think about Saul? That was the Lord's anointed. He wasn't going to touch him. God would do what God would do in God's time. And David was content with that. He would be content with such things as he had 
What would that contentment look like? Well, he's being chased all through the wilderness, right? He's hiding out in caves. I mean, that's a large number of people. You, you, and, you, and you think about those cities that were around. If, if there was somebody on a watchtower and they saw a group of men out there, they might go investigate. And they find out it was David. Guess who's going to hear about it? Saul. And David's having to keep his men maybe even hidden, you know, from, from sight because reports would make it back to Saul and Saul would come out, you know, against him. <clears throat> How can we flee from sin? What's your greatest adversary? What's your greatest enemy? You know, it's sin, right? Yeah. I mean, how are you going to flee from sin except Lush. by Lush. the power of God? Lust. Lust. Yes. Lust is sin. So we only flee and we only follow. Because that's the two things that are in 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee, lust, follow, righteousness, and the other things that follow that. So we can only flee and we can only follow by God's grace. So is that grace in operation in you? It's like the second son. Who said he wouldn't go, but his heart smote him. I must. I must obey my father. I must do the thing the father's commanded me to do. That was grace. You know, that, 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 to me, that's a picture of grace in that man's that young man's heart. I mean, Danny could have been rebellious. He could have said, I'm not gonna haircut. I'm not gonna do it. His mom says. Danny, get a haircut. Principal says, Danny, get a haircut. Nope, I'm not going to do it. Or say that he would. He showed. Friday, the principal takes him to the office and says, okay, Monday morning, I want it. Yes, sir, I'll get it done. Monday morning, he shows up, no haircut. And that's rebellion. That's sin. That's sin. I mean, whoever the principal is, I don't know the person. That's Danny's principle. But God appointed that person to that position. That person's in a position of authority. If, if God had told Danny in, 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 in Scripture not to get his hair cut, you know, if he was saying so, right? Don't let a razor touch your head. And the principle said, cut your hair. We'd have a different matter, you know, before us. But that's not the case. There's, there's, no, there's no biblical principle that we're violating by him getting his haircut. So it's obedience. And so that haircut looks good on him because it is a haircut of obedience. And we're applying this to all of us, Danny. It's not just pointing you out. But it's obedience in God's sight. That's precious unto the Lord. I mean, that is a reward in and of itself, isn't it? To have a heart that is right in the sight of God. And we, we sing an old hymn, Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson blood. Cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly. Right in the sight of God. So, David fled those thoughts by God's grace against Saul. Not saying they might not have tried to enter in. But, and there's things that try to enter into your mind, aren't there? I mean, certainly. And, but by God's grace, we can push those things out. And we can say, no, that's not for me. I, I don't want to do that. I mean, the sin's not in the temptation, right? Because our Lord was tempted in the wilderness. And he was without sin. 
There's no sin in temptation. The sin is in bowing down to that thing and worshiping it and allowing it instead of fleeing from it and saying, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. Um, thou art offense unto me. Offense unto the Lord. I mean, we know it wasn't always so in David's life, was it? We know he sinned. And when we were there in Psalm 51 earlier, he sinned in the matter with Bathsheba. And, and the Lord chastened him for it. Um, but in this instance, what David's saying here is that he committed himself to the Lord. He committed himself unto what the Lord had commanded of him. And the Lord delivered him. The Lord rewarded him. So this is where we find ourselves in the statement that David makes regarding the reward of righteousness. His hands in this matter with Saul were clean. He kept the ways of the Lord, he says. He didn't depart from the Lord wickedly. It's a wicked thing to depart from the Lord. It's a wicked thing to disobey what we know that we ought to do. God's judgments were before him, he says. And he kept himself from iniquity. He fled from thoughts of iniquity. He fled from those things. Therefore, he says in verse number 24, the Lord recompensed him according to the cleanness of his hands uh, in that matter. I mean, as, as far as we're concerned, I was reading, I'll read something to you from William Plummer. I don't know if y'all know William Plummer as a, um, as a writer, but he's passed away now. Most of the people I read are dead. Long dead. Not all of them, but a lot of them were. But William Plummer says this, speaking about how the child of God loves holiness. I mean, there's, here's set, right, wrong. He loves holiness. He loves righteousness. It's not, it's not, I'm going to beat you over the head with a stick if you don't do what's right. No, it's, I'm, I'm, I can't be happy unless I do. I can't have joy in my heart unless I do what is right. But the child of God loves holiness, hates sin. He says, indwelling sin and the outbreaking sin greatly. He uses two words to describe sin in the life of the believer here. He says that sin greatly annoys. Are you annoyed by sin? Are you annoyed by temptation? Are you annoyed by these things that just dog you all the time? I mean, just like, I mean, as far as dogs go, you know, little chihuahuas. I mean, there's little anger biters just crack. You know, so that sin's just, I mean, it's just nipping at you all the time. Aren't you annoyed by it? And then if you fall into it, aren't you distressed by it? Because that's the other word that he used. He uses here, he says, greatly annoyed and distressed by sin. The Christian hates vain thoughts, he says, and he loves God's law. And this is the part that I wanted to get to. He says, if he could have his wish, he would never sin again. Is that true of you? If you could have your wish, that you would never sin again. That's what he says here. And as far as thinking about it in those terms of David and talking about righteousness and doing what's right in the sight of God and God, you know, rewarding him and the ultimate side of things, you know, delivering him from this whole ordeal that he was in. He goes further in verses 25 and 26 and he talks about how that God deals with us. Right? 
do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right? Judge not lest you be judged for the judgment with which you meet it'll be judged again you know, unto you. Not saying that we shouldn't judge. That's what the world wants to talk about, right? No judgment. The Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. Right? And that, again, without understanding, right? I mean, just taking things without understanding. That's not what, I mean, Scripture says that. But what it's saying is, if you're going to judge somebody and try to remove a speck from their eye, you better take the beam or the log out of yours first. Right? Before you start going pointing fingers at people, you know, judge yourself. That you be not judged. Um, but we 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 get the the idea here from these verses. Look what he's saying in verse twenty five: With the merciful, you'll show yourself merciful. Right? right? With the merciful, I mean, think about think about the man that the king, or not the king, but his master brings before him and says, you owe me such and such. And it was a large sum. I can't pay it. Throw him in the dungeon. Have mercy upon me. And his master showed him mercy. And what does he go out and do? He goes out and finds a fellow servant that owed him less money than what he owed his master. He grabs him by the throat and tells him, pay me what you owe me. And he, the man responds exactly the same way that the former man had towards his master and says, have mercy upon me and I'll pay you everything. The master had forgiven him all of his debt. This man's just saying, have mercy upon me and I'll pay you everything. Give me time. I'll pay you everything. But he throws him into prison. You know, there used to be debtor's prison, right? Did you go through any of that in your schoolwork? Go. Sure. Yeah. You run across it? Yeah. I mean, people used to be, people could run up credit card debt today. Nothing happens to them. They can file bankruptcy. You know, but used to, you'd be thrown in debtor's prison. Um, but the outcome of that, you remember, was that his master found out about it. Yeah. And he said, I showed you mercy. And you didn't show your fellow servant mercy. He reverses his judgment and casts him, you know, into prison himself. So, blessed are the merciful, right? What shall they obtain? Mercy. They shall obtain mercy. So, it, it, it's, it's this way with each one of those things that are mentioned here because it says the merciful... You know, God will show himself merciful. It says that the upright man, God will show himself upright. It says that the pure will show himself pure. And then those are all positive, aren't they? I mean, and it's not that God owes us something. If we're merciful, he's going to show us mercy. You know, God's not indebted to us at all. We understand that. But God's saying, under the merciful, I will show myself merciful. Have you ever, I'm sure the thoughts crossed your mind. If nobody else is, I know that sometimes God and I kind of think alike, you know, about certain things, but but to have similar experiences, we're close in the same age. Uh, but I've actually thought in terms before, and this must be where it stems from. You know, Lord, here you set this person before me to show them mercy. 
I know if I were in their shoes, if I ever am in their shoes, uh, I would hope someone else would show me the same. Again, I'm not trying to, to build up any sort of a circumstance where God's going to be indebted to do that. No, there's a promise here. That God says, if I would show myself merciful, he will show himself merciful unto me. Do that which he's called me into. What's he called me into? He's called me into mercy. I mean, how about that person before, you know, where he, he, he was without, you know, a coat. And, and, and you got two. You could give him one, you know. But he was without a coat. And you say, you know what? I have faith. Be warm and filled. Yeah. And you don't give him what he needs. That's not mercy. That's that's being covetous of the second coat that you have. You know, don't want to let go of that second coat. I can't wear both of them at the same time. Well, I might be able to. That would be kind of poofy. But uh, I can't wear both at the same time. But I'm not going to give it up, even though they don't have one. Uh, well, that's not what the Lord's called us into. Luke six thirty-five through thirty-eight says this: Love your enemies and do good. How are you going to do that? I mean, we're talking about somebody that hates you. We're talking about somebody that despises you. We're talking about somebody that would just as soon spit in your face as to look at you. We're talking about somebody that's going around backbiting you at every opportunity, spreading lies and rumors about you everywhere that they can, just trying to make your existence miserable. And here's what the Lord calls us into. Love your enemies. You want to talk about somebody being confused? Someone that hates you and that you would show them love by doing them good? Love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. I'm not doing it that I might receive something. I'm doing it because it is what's right pleasing in the sight of the Lord. That's why. Have you, have you lent people money before that were in need? Amen. You know, and I, you know, Sister Louise, she's not here anymore. We used to help her frequently. You know, never, never thought. I mean, she would say, well, I'll, I'll pay it back to you. That sister, that's whatever, that's fine. You know, but, you know, in, in my heart, in Teresa's heart, we weren't expecting anything in return. She was in need, and we were simply seeking to do that, you know, which would please the Lord, you know, in that in that situation. So he says, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. I mean, where'd you get it from? I mean, what you have, where'd you get it from? God gave it to you. You know, it's his. If he gave you what you have, can he not give you more? If he calls you to give some of it to somebody else? You know, are you going to outgive God? No, we can't do that. He says, your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil causes his son, right? Rise upon the just and the unjust. Rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Wouldn't that be something right now if rain was just falling on your crops? Because you are a child of God and what fallen on other people's crops. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. That's what we're called unto. 
So we, we see in Scripture, you get down to verse number 38 in that text, and it says, give. So here we're being commanded to give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Well, how does the Lord give? It says, good measure. Um, when I was making those snow cones that day, Shalom, when y'all were at the house, you know how I like mine? I like lots of ice in it. I'm going to stick that cup up there. I don't want it to just be a bunch of voids and holidays in between the, the ice crystals. You know, I'll, I'll take that cup and I'll hit it against the counter and I'll put it back up there and get some more. You know, I want a good size, you know, snow cone. I'm going to go through the trouble, make one. I want it to be a good one, right? Well, look what it says here. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Yeah. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Just follow the Lord. Just follow Him. He's, he's going to supply. Seek first the kingdom of God. Is right. He's going to supply all those. Don't worry about those things. He's going to supply them. I'm not saying that you just quit your job tomorrow. You know. Um, there was one man that, that did that. In Brother Conrad's congregation one time, he was like, well, the Lord feeds the sparrows. He can feed me. And so he became a burden, really, upon the whole church. Yeah, everybody was. But the Bible also says a man doesn't work. He should what? eat. Yeah. Um, so circumstances, right? Situation. <laughs> His situation could have been that the church... That was what the church needed to do. But in that situation, this man was just living off of other people's good graces. And we only need to go and read the Beatitudes, right, to obtain a sense of these verses here. You know, we already read part of it, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Uh, but blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, they'll be comforted. Uh, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. So here, this is all happening. And what does he say? Rejoice and be exceeding glad. So... Men are persecuting, reviling, saying all manner of evil against you falsely for the sake of Christ. And we're being told, rejoice and be exceeding glad. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You're the salt of the earth. Yet the salt's lost its savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing to be cast out and trodden underfoot by men. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Could people see? Could those men? You think those men that were with David, that were encouraging, that were goading him and prodding him to kill Saul, could see something different about him? They could see the merciful. 
And they saw David obtain mercy, didn't they? They saw David being merciful unto Saul. And they saw David obtaining mercy from the Lord. So, one way we could put it is David maintained his integrity. He maintained his integrity. We need to maintain our integrity before men to the glory of God. He sought not to please himself, but to please God. He desired to be merciful like God is merciful. He desired to be holy like God is holy. He desired to do what was right in God's sight. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. But contrary was blessing. Someone curses you and you bless them. The Lord will show himself strong. We've seen that in the preceding verses. The Lord will show himself strong on behalf of the one that will do such. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Now, David was meek, but David was a mighty man. You know, a man of valor. A brave Psalm 147 verse 11 says, The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. Joshua said it this way. You remember he and Caleb had gone in. They had gone in with the other spies. They had spotted out the land. They came back. Everybody said it's a land flowing milk and honey. But only Joshua and Caleb said that. They're bread for us. Everybody else, they're giants. They eat up the land's inhabitants. Joshua said in Numbers 14, verse 8, If the Lord delight in us, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. If the Lord delight in us, he will give this unto us. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these other things the Lord will give unto us. I was reading a devotional by James Smith this week that came into my inbox and the title of it was this shall not God avenge his own elect did God not avenge David yes he said the Lord's people are often oppressed they are tempted to be revengeful but they know that God says vengeance is mine say the Lord I will repay I think I said to you last week God can do so much better of a job at that than I would ever be able to do right <clears throat> under man's wrath, remember you are the objects of the Lord's love. So under the wrath of man, you're the object of the Lord's love, the apple of his eye. When men oppress you, rest assured that God will befriend you. Carry your case to him, David did. Spread the whole matter before him, David did. Plead with him, David did. Then rest assured that he will appear for you. He will rescue you. He will deliver you. And the Lord did. The master will interfere for a servant he values. We are the apple of his eye, right? The parent for the child that he loves. The husband for the bride he's chosen. And shall not God avenge his own elect? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Cry to him day and night. Look to no other quarter or place for relief or deliverance. Never encourage any unholy feelings. Can't we mutter and complain and encourage those things? Unholy feelings? Yeah, we can. 
but pray for grace to imitate your insulted, persecuted, and crucified Lord. Consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. He will tread all of your enemies under his feet shortly. He is able to avenge you, and he will. He will deliver you. He will. Doesn't God say, be not deceived? Galatians chapter 6, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. He that soweth through his flesh shall a flesh reap corruption, the spirit shall reap everlasting life. Remember what Paul said about Alexander the coppersmith? 2 Timothy 4.14, he's warning, you know, Timothy, he's asked for some things. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. So here's a particular individual that we have named in Scripture who did much evil unto Paul. Paul didn't avenge himself upon this man. But he says this, the Lord reward him according to his works. And the Lord will reward all in such a manner. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore let them that suffer, David was suffering under the oppression of Saul, let them that suffer according to the will of God. David was in this circumstances, not by something David had done. The Lord permitted David to be in these circumstances. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. He's faithful. He will deliver. Right? He's a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. Did David diligently seek him? Yes. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The rewards of holy living, of a godly life, and keeping one's son from sin, are they worth it? How do you feel when you do otherwise? We already talked about that, haven't we? Well, here we find a determination on David's part. Kind of like when we began the psalm, and David said what? I will love you, O Lord. He's determined to do what is right in the sight of God. I said last week, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. David's still saying so. Yeah. He's still saying so here. Well, let me read one more passage of scripture to you and we'll close. Psalm 84 verses 11 through 12 say this, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. So when you're in these circumstances, he is that unto you. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. This is where David is. He's walking uprightly before the Lord. O Lord of hosts, blessed is he. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. That's what David's describing to us here. That's the position that he's in. He's... he's He's seeking to be what God's called him to be. And he's finding the Lord faithful. Uh, and the Lord's reward he brings with him. And he did deliver David. 
And, and David, in the end, I'm sure, could have said the same thing that we all say when we go through circumstances and trials. Lord, it was good for me. It was good for me to go through that. You, it was good for me to go through that and the things that you taught me. It was good for me to go through that so that you might be exalted. So that you might be glorified. It was good for me to be tested. It was good for me to be tried. It was good for me that some dross, you know, was consumed and removed. It was good for me that that gold was refined. Because he only ever does what is right. That's a large place, isn't it? You're talking about that verse number 19, that spacious place. That's a large place for us to walk every day. The things happen to us all the time. But what a large place to walk. The Lord's in this. The Lord's permitted this. The Lord's allowed this. The Lord's going to bring good out of this. What a spacious place. What, what, what a comfortable pillow to lay your head upon at night. You know? What a blessing. What a reward. Um, uh, uh, wow. When you think about that, you think about heaven. I think about, you know, Abraham, I am thy exceeding, you know, I'm thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. I mean, what, are, what have we been given? I mean, it is incredible, isn't it? The grace of God towards us. The mercy of the Lord towards us. All that He's done for us. All that He will yet do for us. We've just received the earnest of our inheritance. Um, I mean, we don't have to wait for some rich uncle to die to, you know, inherit some fortune. It'd probably ruin us. And what if the Lord doesn't allow it to happen, it would ruin us. But if it was, it takes a lot of grace to have a lot and not forget God. You know? I'd rather be in that place like I've told you before, even from a young man I would pray. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but feed me with the food that is convenient for me. That's a good place for me to be. Right there. Not not rich, not poor, but in that place. I know Teresa and I have talked about it before. When we didn't have, when we first got married, we didn't have. We lived with Cheryl. Even after we left there and moved into our first place together, we didn't have a lot. But those were good times. You, you wondered how the paycheck, you know, paid for everything. You know, I mean, how did it pay for that car note and this and that? And we had groceries on the table, you know. The Lord, the Lord was gracious, and we were dependent, you know, upon Him, and it was a good. We, we may head back for those times. I don't know. Uh, the, the Lord, the Lord is good. The Lord will be good. The Lord will do good unto us. We can depend upon that. All right. Well, let's let's stand. Hopefully, that helps a, a little as you think about those those verses uh, and how David's describing. You know, this matter of, of um, rewarding him according to his righteousness. Well, we don't have any of our own. It's all his. Uh, we've only done that which was our duty to do. We've only, we only give back what the Lord's given to us, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. What are we to begin with? He gets all the glory for it. Start to finish. Well, let's sing number 49 in the Red Book. Number 49 in the red book.